So today we're going to be speaking about the Hype Micro uh, Raptors. So the one in my hand here is the RQ50L, and this is a new multispectral uh, thermal imaging binocular from Hype Micro. So these retail uh, at three thousand nine hundred ninety-five quid, and what I'm going to do is just quickly give you a rundown on the spec and then I'm going to speak to Frank about these and see see what his opinion is and just really have a conversation on generally where the market is going and how really the digital world is just evolving further and further and faster and faster. So the brand new Hype Micro Raptors, the few fifties. They come with laser rangefinder, uh, thousand meter um, detection on that. You uh, come with a six forty by five twelve thermal sensor, and it has a zero point nine germanium lens, so it's got a very fast aperture. So what that does is allow a lot of thermal information to come in through to the sensor, and it helps provide the uh, better ability for identification. It's got sub twenty millikelvin. Uh, rating so it's very very firmly sensitive and the lower the number the more firmly sensitive the unit is so this is one of the highest performing available in the commercial market at the moment and it's something that we're seeing more and more from hike as they've entered the market they brought in products that are sort of of equal performance and now we're seeing the second third generation of products come through and they're really starting to step up the game and bring in some new ideas and it's really nice to see uh, especially from a retailer's point of view um, it's keeping the market nice and competitive so the other unique thing with these and this is one of the main reasons frank's been brought in is they're a multi-spectral system so it's got a day uh, and night optical channel on it and it also provides a fusion system so what i'm going to do is just get frank's opinion obviously the military have had multi-spectral systems for years now and we're only just starting to see them on the commercial market so what are your thoughts on multi-spectral systems frank yes yeah, so certainly this is um remember back in the day i mean, we were talking uh, in iraq for example 2003 um the problem we had there was there was some very good thermal imagery devices, uh, particularly like the spyglass, Sochi site, uh, which were issued to military. But the problem we had was identifying a target. So for a thermal, you get a heat source, but it's very hard to determine whether it's male or female, um, possibly a child, this sort of stuff. So you had to use your image intensifying devices. Um, and it was a sort of combination. And the question was, should the sniper have the thermal and the spot of the the ii the input the mm -hmm. all the other way around but the answer is always to have, fuse this technology together and have it on one unit i mean the today we have the improved uh, night and day observational devices like the inod block um where not only do they give you the ability to fuse and see what's going on but also they're quite effective that you can actually see the projectile going through the air, which is a massive game. Um, they also have a, um, I made some notes here as well, just to make sure I'm hundred percent, but they also have um, a, a multi, a mid range dual channel uh, system. So the advantage of this, uh, this new system in the military is that you can see through glass, for example, uh, right. and one of, with the lasers 
Um, you can't generally see lasers through a thermal unless they're heat. Um, but again, this new technology allows you to see your lasers. So if you're using a laser mount on the device or on the weapon, particularly like uh, some of specialist forces do, um, this will give you the ability to put your laser on the target for your other operators or, or snipers to see it. And you can talk about different targets things. Yeah, so this is, this is where it's sort of going, really. Um, what is popular is, at the minute, the military is a clip-on device. So mm. leave your day scope on, all the information on it. Uh, and remember, some of the day scopes now have even, um, some of the new ones which are coming out have got a ballistic uh, software uh, mm. input whether it's applied ballistics or, or whatever, but um, and they can be linked to your laser rangefinder, but it all comes into the scope. And the idea of the, the clip-on now is you just clip it on in front and it becomes your fusion scope. You take it off and you're back laser scope, you know. Um, so certainly this is where the military are going, but in the civilian side of it, what you've got there is extremely exciting. A handhold device, uh, a multi-spectrum device, and I've, I've actually used them, um, and we've done we've done some trialing before, um, and they are very good. They, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this new piece of kit, to be honest with you. Yeah, it opens it definitely opens a door out for not only the hunting market but for surveillance markets, security, it, and even for search and rescue teams, sort of lifeboats, etc. You definitely there's pros and cons for both image intensifying or uh, your night vision technology and then your thermal technology and you obviously touched on one a second ago with the fact of you can identify it being a heat source or you can see it being a heat source but you can't then identify clearly um, what kind of target it is so the fact that these fusion systems are now coming in that not, not only helps uh, with the military etc but also in in a hunting scenario You've got the ability to say if you pick up a heat source, uh, you're in your farmer's uh, fields and you're unsure if it's a dog or a fox. Um, these kind of devices are definitely um, going to be able to help improve that that ability to know exactly what it is. Um, one thing I've noticed is what you what you touched on again was the fact of these um digital system so you you see the steiner schmidt and bender have had sort of a concept out for a while where you've got within the eyepiece of the scope a ballistic calculator system and i know we had one at the symposium actually and i went and had a play with it and it's very impressive being able to load your ballistic data in there um get the information from your kestrels and being able to almost you you set your elevation and it tells you, oh, um, you're at 700 yards here, you're at 712 yards. Do you think that most optics within the next 10 years, especially in the military world, will be using that? And they just get round, obviously, the issues with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi being detectable? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for example, the Kestrel, uh, the latest version, the Kestrel Elite, has a Bluetooth uh, signal strength uh, adjustment on it so you can turn it almost off you can turn it off because bluetooth can be detected you could put a bluetooth device on a drone sling it up in the sky and it's going to show you same as i uh, this subject is called signature management uh, as we as we've discussed before and um 
just your flash of your weapon and the reflection of the scope, which could be seen, but using Bluetooth, using Wi-Fi, generating um, this sort of system around you, all these sort of bubbles uh, could be detected. And I think the, um, the conflict in Ukraine is bringing yeah. a lot of are seeing and um, being uh, located for using these devices. Even the energy leaking from a, a, an iPhone, for example, has been detected. I think the ability to turn it off is ultra important. Um, yeah. Certainly, the way things are going, um, I, I, I agree. I think within 10 years, everything will be for the site. Uh, something I bought many years ago, I've, I, I've always been into photography and I've always had uh, like a Nikon camera, like the FM2, where we've had full control. And uh, the light meter on it, you meter the light and then you just increase to, to suit you. But I bought a camera a few years back and it had a, a just a button you press and it did it all for you. And it hmm. um, and it metered the light and, it, and the shots that came out were outstanding. Today we have like the common phone, like the iPhone, some of the other uh, competitors for the iPhone. The clarity of the pictures are outstanding. And we can see this technology definitely going into the scopes now. So I agree. I think the technology you see in the phone is going on to be a rifle scope. Yeah. Uh, and talking about that pixelation, um, as you zoom out and look at your target, the more pixels you can put in there, the greater the definition. So it means now, instead of IDing, uh, I mean, but for the iNob block, for example, in the book it says detectable at 2Ks. But if you had uh, uh, the ability to pixelate and look even further than that, and identify target, you could push that envelope out even further. Possibly two and a half kilometers, three Ks. So we're talking sort of a mile and a half now, really. maybe even touching two miles, possibly. Yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah, because we're sort of the the ATM 4K was one of the, the first to almost do it, but I've um, we're releasing something with Wolf. Uh, like an integral laser rangefinder go with the Wolf 4K rifle scope. The ATM bought it in first, and we've seen it with the PAR just released the DS35. The ability to attach a laser rangefinder onto the optic, and it Bluetooths um, the laser at uh, the range, um, obviously detected into the device, and then gives you the ability to. Um, basically, have a hold-off area where you um, where you should be aiming for that range, and that's in units from basically five hundred and fifty pounds upwards now. So it's very impressive. I mean, the iNob block, for example, various prices come up, um, but let's say if I said between eighty and ninety thousand pounds per unit, this is a different. And then no one has that, do they? You know? No, um, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing with these, because obviously these are coming to the market. Um, the other thermal binocular, um, what's recently entered the market is the merger. Superb performance. Pulsar have always been the industry leading. And these are around £4,650. And Hike have just released these with a multi-spectral system. These are just thermal, but these are a, a day-night and a thermal system and they're 3,999 and yeah. they're almost obviously they're, they're totally different item but whenever i've looked at something like the the saffron gym compacts and the lrs it almost is touching 
the ability of those units, especially when you take into account it, those units are 20 times the price of a £4,000 Raptor. And yeah. it is crazy at how good and the price points these commercial units are hitting now, like the civilian units. Uh, I can see that day optics will suddenly start to, especially in the civilian world, start to reduce in sales and digital items due to the fact that cameras getting better, CMOS sensors getting better, thermal sensors getting better. People will start to go, instead of buying a pair of Swarovski laser rangefinder binos, which yes. ultimately are extremely good low-light pair of binoculars, but still conk out, obviously, when it gets, starts to get dark. You could bear, buy a pair of these, use them in the daytime, and use them at night. So you've got one device that does both scenarios as opposed to having to buy a pair of laser rangefinder binoculars at £2,500. You can buy one of these at 4000 and get a day system, a thermal system, a fusion system, and an integral laser rangefinder. So, yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of the mainstream names, the likes of like your Swarovski and your Zeiss and your Leicas have definitely seen that the market is starting to move towards the, the thermals and the night vision side. And yeah. they're starting to release products to be able to catch up with it. But a lot of them haven't moved quick enough. And they've seen the growth in the likes of Pulsar. And I think they've wished they'd got on the bandwagon earlier. Um, but in terms of a new subject, which is still keeping along the same lines of what the Raptors can provide, is the fact that obviously all these digital units have the ability to record, take pictures. How would that have benefited you uh, when you were a sniper, Frank? Certainly. I mean, my, remember, part of a function of a sniper is uh, an observer as well as a, a shooter. Um, and particularly if you take the police, for example, their, their last resort is for shooting. Most of the time they're doing observation. They're gaining control. Uh, let's say it's a, sort of a, a hostage or a counter-terrorist situation or something, but they're, they're sort of controlling it. Um, and the information they're producing is critical to, to everybody involved in that scenario, whether it's assaulters or just uh, negotiators, the intelligence side of it, even just a standard policeman on the call. Um, so the great thing is with this, you can download the app on your, on your phone, for example, like the iPhone, uh, and you can take clips, send them to your phone, and then send them onwards, um, whether you do it WhatsApp or whatever medium you use. Um, so you could do it almost almost concurrently you could give like a 30 second update every so often and also the information you give is is almost lifetime information which is sort of critical really this is something that um has always been ultra important the quicker you can get the information as it's developing in to people uh, and not just within sort of um counterterrorism but on the general battlefield you know if you get up there and you you, you film your arc left to right when you send it on to someone people know exactly what you're looking at and for indexing of targets, you have more than one a team in the area. Maybe it's coordination of different units or even just to coordinate targets, uh, multiple targets between a number of sniper teams. Like, so the offset is possibly the, the way you're doing this could be detected. Um, but in the civilian market, it's amazing, really. Absolutely amazing. You know? 
really really yeah, interesting cool i think that sort of gives a good roundup of how good these um thermal units are becoming now um what we're going to actually do on the next time frank is down is yes. actually go out in the field and we'll try these together uh do some thermal testing and also we're going to be able to do some signature management and thermal evading so keep an eye out for that next video that will be coming hopefully within the next sort of six to eight weeks and it'll make you laugh as well because it's going to be quite funny with some of the scenarios we're putting in there um, but yeah if you want any uh, further information on the units and if there's any videos that you want um, Frank to do in terms of any informative videos anything about sort of his history or anything that tips and tricks that you find in, um, interesting just let us know because uh, we're always looking to try and find and bring out some really good content that everyone can find interesting cool but yeah that's all from me and thank you for tuning in and thanks again frank for stopping yeah, by sorry it wasn't in person <laughs> no that's right sean well uh, just one small point um yeah for the uh, uh, we're going to be looking at the 338 um so that'll be the next we've done all the 303 762 um, particularly my favorite l96 but of course the 338 came into service at 2000 and it's still in service in two different uh, forms so this will be the next video we're going to do we're going to look at the leap and what happened and how it's been used yeah so i look i look forward to that one that'd be good and oh, finally, uh, Merry Christmas. Not many jokes yeah. this year. It will be <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, Frank, thanks again. Thanks. This is Frank from Optics Warehouse signing up. Thank you, Sean. All the best. Yes, Merry Christmas. Thanks, Frank.